Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is Dorsey more Josh Allen's buddy and Dable was more of his coach? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, that's pure speculation. I do not know anything right there, but um, I, I think it does fall under some some kind of um, umbrella there that's uh, you know a more experienced play caller and offensive coach that uh, Brian Dable is. Um, and missing that, you know, might might uh, might hold some weight there. Hey there, everybody. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by my friend Nick Wotan. This is the Bill's Wire podcast. We are powered by the USA Today Network. We're available wherever you get your pods. So subscribe, leave us a review, tell a friend, spread the word. That's how you can support us. And we appreciate you once more for jumping on board. Nick, how the hell are you this week? We are great, sir. Um, you know, the always good to get a Bills win, even though they're the the cheating Buffalo Bills, dirty cheaters that they are to win. But uh, wins a win, so uh, Bills will take it, and uh, so will we, and we move forward now. Oh yeah, yeah. You're you're talking about the people saying, "Oh, Josh Allen paid off the rest once again." Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I have some thoughts on that. We could talk about that <laughs> here coming up. But here's the real question: How do you explain? that ugly performance against the Giants, Nick, right? The Bills are 15 and a half point favorites going in. They can't even score 15 points of offense in the ball game, which, you know, that's not usually a good look. You know, you and I were into the sports betting, but you're a 15 and a half point favorite, but you don't score 15 points. That's that, mm-hmm. something's not adding up there. Uh, it was just like an ugly game for the Bills. Uh, we last week, they looked ugly against the Jaguars, but we kind of could explain that away with all the weird travel they did to London. That's kind of how we wrote that one off. But this one, how do you explain this one? I mean, it took a pair of goal line stands. Good for you, defense. But also some boneheaded clock management by Brian Dayball and a horrible mistake by Tyrod Taylor and the Giants at the end of the first half. And then obviously the no call at the end of the game, which we'll talk about between Darren Waller and Taron Johnson. But the Bills escaped this one, right? They escaped with a win. It took an amazing throw by Josh Allen to Quentin Morris. I still don't know how they pulled that thing off. Like, yeah. holy crap. They escaped with this win. How do you explain this? Yeah, I mean that's a great way to do it, right? Uh it's um they kind of escaped with one. Um I will say off the top um you know, again, the the Bills are just such an interesting interesting team because, you know, you you definitely if you're a fan of the team, you want them to be playing better than they played. It's same thing with the national media. They want them to be playing better than they played. Um, but again, this team is criticized for not winning close games. They win a close game. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, you're not supposed to win close games like that. It's like, what, not against what do you the mean? Giants. They, they, yeah, yeah. they won a close game. Um, and, uh, and on top of that, um, I, I feel, you know, I say often, uh, speaking of with the upcoming opponent, I'm uh, not to tease our second half of the podcast here, but I always say that you typically lose a game, uh, each year that you didn't see coming. Um, and it also happens plenty of times where you win games that you probably shouldn't have won. Uh, and I think a lot of that is true when it comes to this one, like the bills probably didn't deserve to win. It was kind of like they were battling each other to see who could lose <laughs> It's at times really in that game. Right. Uh, but Hey, you know, the, 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 I'm, I'm not quite, I, I can see that there is, you know, some concern 
some concern when it comes to, to, to Ken Dorsey, when it comes to maybe some play calling. And specifically, I think I'm not fully there yet in terms of there's a concern, but if it happens again in terms of the slow start, if they start slow against uh, uh, their upcoming opponent, the New England Patriots, or for those who don't know, um, if they start slow again, and the Patriots, they do have a solid defense, the Patriots, for all the struggles that they have. But still, if it's three games in a row, three different sample sizes, three different controlled ex- uh, experiments, if you will, and you're starting slow, then it's a then it's a big problem. So I think if you're Sean McDermott this week, if you're Ken Dorsey, if you're the Buffalo Bills, you're going to definitely focus on that part of the game going into this one more, more so than anything else, winning close games, whatever. Uh, uh, it, it just was sloppy all around um and then really the bills pulled ahead in just the most uncharacteristic ways that we're used to right uh they pulled ahead because they sustained like an hour and a half long drive it felt in the second half (laughs) (laughs) by running the ball uh they ate up a lot of clock you usually don't see the bills running the ball very well a ton they didn't even really run it that well in this game but they got the job done by running the ball i guess is more so what i'm getting at and then again, you see a game winner with the Bills. It's usually Josh Allen. Um, you know, I I I think I wrote something this week. You know, you see a game winner in, in the NFL. It usually comes off a throw. It usually comes off with the, someone has the ball in their hand. Someone is kicking the ball. No, it was a past couple bad pass breakups, clutch in the end. Uh, you know, a lot of tearing Johnson. I'm, we're going to talk more about that. A lot of credit to him in the last play or or controversy to him. But um, I mean, the Giants also dialed up a deep pass to. Uh, um, uh, Darius Slayton late, and to be fair, to Rod Taylor seemed to put the ball in the money there, and Christian Benford said, "No, you didn't." Took it away. Another great play by the Bills secondary there. So yeah, so in terms of how the Bills uncharacteristically got across the finish line this this one, some good runs which we usually don't see, and some good defense which we do see some good defense, but you don't always see a team winning because of that said good defense. And at least if you're the Bills, you usually see Josh Allen and you know crazy things happening that way. So. Yeah, it was, it was quite the awkward Bills win, I guess you could say, right? Oh, it was hella awkward. Hella awkward. And the, this this offense especially, I'm not worried about the defense. Even with the injuries, the defense is, they're showing us that they can hold it together. Now, the Giants helped in some regard, which we could probably talk about. But uh, the offense has just been so high variance, right? It's like either they're this unstoppable force like we saw in the Dolphins and Commanders games, or it's, you know, they're just mostly often miserable, like the Jets game, like the this Giants game was, where... Uh, it's just like a tractor pull and there hasn't been like a whole lot in between with this, but you know, you mentioned Ken Dorsey. I think let's go there real quick. Um, we'll get back. We'll circle back to Taron Johnson. Cause I definitely want to talk about that play at the end of the ball game. And I want to talk about day ball a little bit, but, uh, what's plaguing the bills offense these last two weeks so much, Nick, right? It's like, to me, the bills look like a team that misses day ball, their former play caller and offensive coordinator, uh, a team that, can't run the football consistently. I know they did better in this game, but I don't think, again, you could th- don't give me James Cook's his, his yards per carry average. The Bills aren't a team that can run the football right now with any consistency or they're committed to it. And they they do seem like, I've said this a million times, a weapon short on offense. So I feel yep, like yep. missing Dayball can't run the football in a weapon short on offense. And how much of it is on Dorsey or is it on Brandon Bean or what, right? Like, I think that's the question. I know we were talking before we hit record. Sean McDermott actually got some pushback from the Bills media. Good for you guys in the media room. Uh, they asked him about, you know, the, uh, maybe a plan to switch play callers with Ken Dorsey. Sean McDermott shot that down immediately. And they said uh, they pushed back against McDermott. He seemed a little uncomfortable talking about that whole situation. 
So how much of the struggles do you actually pin on Ken Dorsey, Nick? Is, it, is Dorsey at fault here? Do they miss Brian Dable? I think, you know, he, he has more experience than Ken Dorsey does, right? So I think that that helps. And um, yeah, it just the attack is really never balanced for the Bills. And, and I mean, that is a problem that goes back. So, But I do do lay some on on that. I mean, there's a reason why he was tabbed as a head coach, um, Brian Dable. And there's a reason why he has won coach of the year. <laughs> so uh, he is a very good coach. He won assistant coach of the year with the Bills. He is a decorated coach. He is coached under Bill Belichick. He's coached under Nick Saban. He has done a lot of things that a lot of experienced people in football haven't done. And he's not that old of a head coach. You know, they're, we're trending towards the younger, you know, uh, generation getting the, the, the chances here, uh, as we've seen over the NFL history in the last couple of years. But is Dorsey more Josh Allen's buddy and Dable was more of his coach? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, that's pure speculation. I do not know anything right there. But um, I, I think it does fall under some some kind of um, – umbrella there that's uh you know a more experienced play caller and offensive coach that uh brian dable is um and missing that you know might might uh might hold some weight there uh, yeah i mean josh allen was asked about it after the game too uh he throws the ball so often to stefan Diggs, and i know how i'm i know nick how are you complaining you know 10 catches for 100 yards again for Stefan Diggs. He's number three in the NFL, 620 yards receiving uh, this year, which is great. But there's like nobody else getting involved in this offense. It was, goodness, I counted it and just wrote it before the game, uh, the game, the podcast, excuse me. Um, this is my weekly game uh, with you. This is me going one on one with you, Ryan. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, but um, I think it was eight catches for 69 yards for everybody else in the offense. And then Stefan Diggs had 10 catches for 100 yards. It's like, yeah. And 16 targets. I, I know the guy's amazing. I mean, he's probably on pace of another all-pro year, but I don't know. Is it the other guys are bad or Allen's just looking at him? I mean, I was always bullish on the idea of giving uh, a Dalton Kincaid a first-round pick. Nothing against the guy. I just didn't think that they were going to do that because I never thought that he looked towards the tight ends enough. I never imagined that they were going to sign Dawson Knox to this long-term extension because I just don't think he's the kind of quarterback that looks to the tight ends and you know they haven't really had a breakout game at tight end yet through six games this year Gabe Davis has been consistent not great consistent though so I don't know how much is it that he's just leaning on Stefan Diggs you know if someone makes a case and you're a Bills fan you're going to get defensive and say you know shut up your quarterbacks Daniel Jones or whoever no offense to Daniel Jones he has played in the playoffs and won the playoffs um but yeah uh he's leaning a lot <laughs> there it comes down to the offensive coordinator. It's like a tradition in Buffalo, just like you always get on the offensive coordinator. So it's not even Ken Dorsey fully, but uh, I think there is, you know, something for Josh Allen also leaning perhaps for good reason, perhaps not for good reason, leaning so much on stuff on day so much. It's not fantasy football. Right? We don't. We don't want. We don't necessarily need Stefan Diggs getting sixteen targets himself, while the rest of the team gets thirteen. Uh, you know, it's just that's not a way to live on offense. NFL offenses are going to figure that thing out. Yeah, it's the, the second uh, a weapon short is something I've been preaching for a while with this team. I was hoping Dalton Kincaid could be it. I know he missed this game, right? He was injured. But even when he's in there, he hasn't been a huge difference maker. He's getting a couple balls a game, right? But it's not like he's he's moving the needle there. Yeah, no, I, I totally I totally get that. I think I think they are weapon short. Um, I think Dorsey is still kind of working through it a little bit as a as a you know a second year play caller sure but we were saying earlier i mean josh allen loves the guy right loves him like there's no 
Ken Dorsey's not going mm-hmm. anywhere. I mean, I, I applaud the Bills media for asking it, Nick, but Sean McDermott shot it down immediately. Um, didn't didn't leave much wiggle room there. And we know Josh Allen loves the guy. So they're just going to have to figure it out um, with what they've got. But, you know, so just situational stuff, too. I mean, the end of the game situation, what do you think about that, right? Where they had the opportunity. They're on the Giants 36-yard line, third and nine. Dayball just called his second time out. So you could you could run it one more time there, maybe pick up another what three four yards, give your give Tyler Bass a little bit of an easier field goal opportunity, make mm-hmm. Dayball call his third time out, and try to get up seventeen to nine, and you're feeling pretty good as a Bills fan in that situation. You're up eight points against a team that can't score a touchdown in the Giants. Instead, you you throw the incomplete pass to Knox. You let the Giants pocket that timeout. You missed the fifty three yard field goal because you didn't gain any mm-hmm. yards on third and nine, and now you're sweating that thing out to the last second. And boy, was that a sweat. So this is this is some of the stuff we're talking about. I mean, it's the situational stuff, right? I, I think McDermott struggles with it at times. I think that the end of game situation there at third and nine, how they went about that. I know Dawson Knox was open. I know Josh Allen makes that throw in his sleep. But how many times do they not complete that, pull, that ball in that situation, right? With the Bills, it seems to happen a lot. And I think that's something you could fairly look at Ken Dorsey and be like, just make the easy call. Just make the easy call. Run the football. Make them burn the timeout and make it an easier field goal. It's, sometimes it's that simple, you know what I mean? But in the moment, it seems like the Bills all across the board just kind of just kind of spaz out and they have to do the aggressive thing all the time. And it's I think it's easy to nitpick that stuff sometimes. Yeah, Ryan, the situational stuff is certainly something that I think you can question with McDermott. Again, you, you mentioned all those things there, this you know, the field goal, whatnot, certain play calls. We also already were done talk, just finished talking about the slow starts. That's also a situational thing figure that out and even we can break it down into the the smallest of small small things i mean mcdermott in terms of i don't have the exact numbers in front of me right now but his um his career challenges is definitely way below 500 he is terrible at challenges he's that's a situational two thing i yep, think right yep, yep. it's he's he, he's terrible at challenges like the, uh, there are things that in game that i think i don't know if he's afraid to defer or he's deferring to the wrong people or what's going on but uh like you said, that was a curious, very curious for me at the end of the game there, you know, uh, run it, keep the clock going, even just get another yard or two. It makes it a little bit closer. Maybe it helps your kicker out. <laughs> it's just, yeah, throwing the ball there. I mean, it's so, so bold, but I get that Josh Allen also makes that throw a lot of the time, but how much room did he have to run even maybe, you know, keep the clock going, uh, try to get a couple yards instead of throwing it like, and it wasn't even that he threw it like a quick crossing route or a quick pass or something like that. Like he rolled out and tossed the next was like 15, 20 yards down the field. Like, Ooh, I didn't know he threw that long. I was like, Oh yeah. gosh, why'd you do that? Yeah. We do it over and over. But I, again, I, I, we ripped the Bills situational football all the time. They were better situationally in this game against the Giants. At least over 60 minutes, they were better than the Giants at situational football, right? Because the Bills did figure out the defensive stands in both halves at the goal line. Now, I, I think the first drive, the the one at the first at the end of the first half, Nick, I think was so egregious because Josh Allen throws the interception. The Giants get the football back. There's like 2.20, 2.30 left. They ha- the Giants have two timeouts and the two-minute warning. There's really no excuse for the Giants to run out of time on that drive. Uh, so I put that one largely on Dayball. There was even that one, I think we all remember it on the broadcast, where Dayball is literally standing next to the official watching the clock. He lets like 10 seconds tick off the clock before calling a timeout with about 30 seconds left. 
he was just paranoid of giving the Bills the ball back with any time on the clock. He just wanted to make sure they scored without the Bills getting the football. But it's like day ball. You guys haven't scored a t- uh, literally. You haven't scored a touchdown offensively since like that Thursday night football game weeks ago against San Francisco. They can't score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when they're on the one yard line, they can't figure it out. So like, just don't worry about how much time's on the clock. Just go score. But he put his team in a position where they where they botched that. Now, Tyrod Taylor, what are you doing? You can't check into a run there. Good for the Bills for stuffing Saquon Barkley. But my God, Dayball's blowing up on Tyrod and the quarterback's coach there, Chad O'Shea. He's just blowing up on guys on the sideline. But it's like, Dayball, you're the one who screwed up the clock management. What are you blowing up on everybody else for? So, yep. but good for the Bills. Two goal line stands, Nick, including, you know, obviously the one at the end of the game. So let me just ask you, holding on Taron Johnson or not? Nah? Uh, I think at some point you got to let him play. I mean, there's some back and forth. Like I know, I mean, you talked about before, so don't steal your thunder. Uh, you know, there, there was some back and forth there, I think. And and I, I agree with the idea that the referees were afraid to make calls on back-to-back plays because uh, holding or pass interference on yep. Terrell Bernard is how the, the Giants got the free play at the goal line. Um, but, you know, I think you let him play there a little bit. And, you know, if some holding on, you know, I know Taryn Johnson is considered, a, you know, one tough SOB, not the biggest guy, but tough guy. Um, but Darren Waller, you know, I mean, that is just, I mean, two guys go up for it. And, you know, it's it's typically easier. I mean, this is why I, I there are, there's, a, I guess, a faction of NFL fans, NFL people who are like, why do you throw a lob play up to the corner of the end zone? I get that the receivers are typically taller and bigger but they have to put two hands on the ball and catch it and the defender only needs one hand to just you know knock it out you need to just touch the ball basically let them catch it so i i i feel like you know that's a poor play call really in general but um yeah yeah I, i'm gonna go with no we play it out let it go and you know let the guys finish the game on the field and that's what they did i mean i mean you got already the hugest call of the game one second before, you know, hindsight 2020, the Giants didn't convert, and that was that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm gonna, if you, if you, you know, gun to my head, I'm saying no. Um, yeah, and I'm also gonna say Sean McDermott has challenged 28 calls in his career, and he's won seven of them. Oh my god, that's, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not yeah. good. That's not good. Sean <laughs> anyway, so back to Taryn Johnson, I'll, I'll, I'll spin it back to you, uh, Ryan. What is your, uh, what is your uh, thought process here? Okay, so was it holding on Taron Johnson? I mean, yeah, yeah. It looked like Johnson had a fistful of jersey. So I think, you know, usually that gets called when you see the jersey tug, Nick, right? Like, usually that gets called. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, Taron Johnson probably had a fistful of jersey and held him a little bit. However, keep the flag in your pants. I think the refs did the right thing. Uh, you can't... Great point by you. They had just called a penalty to get the Giants at the one-yard line, this freaking drive where the Bills are playing prevent defense and the Giants are taking five yards ring out of bounds and we're just... We're just dinking and dunking our way to the point where the Giants actually try to score a freaking touchdown and we see if we can go home. Like, can we just go home and end the game? Like, how long are we going to do this? We can't just keep throwing flags all night and redoing the down. Like, at some point, you got to let these guys go. And on a play like this from the one-yard line where the Giants really, they're not going to run the ball. We saw how that ended at the end of the first half. So I think the Bills kind of knew, look, they're not going to run it. So it's a pass play from the one situation. Like, there's going to be contact between the defender and the receiver on almost every single play on a pass play from the one, right, Nick? Like, there's yeah. 22 guys running around and not a lot of space, right? There's it, Guys are going to be touching each other. Taron Johnson had Darren Waller, but guess what? Waller had his hands all over Johnson, too. 
And I think after the game, Waller even admitted, yeah, I was pushing off a little bit on Johnson. So that's just what life is and on plays like this where it's, you know, a goal to, you know, goal to go, last play, untimed down, one yard line, you're throwing the football. It's going to be contact. It, there's always contact within five yards of the line of scrimmage, right? Like that's how it is. It, these guys are going to be jostling for position. Who makes the play? So I, yeah. I think, yes, sure. If Giants fans want to bitch and say Taron Johnson held them, yeah, he probably did. But guess what? Don't throw the flag there. The refs did the right thing. And I actually, I have, Nick, a rebuttal for Bills fans who might be getting crap from Giants fans. Like, you probably know some Giants fans, right? With the proximity. Mm -hmm. Do you know, you probably have some friends that are Giants fans, no? Oh, uh, many of them I went to school with, so, uh, (laughs) yeah. yeah, yeah. Are are any of them giving you crap about this game? No, you saw a lot of of social media, uh, you know, um, I'll joke with Bill about Bill's fans on social media, but they are not alone. Let me tell you, okay. <laughs> there's a lot of Giants fans out there that had some stuff to say. So any Bill's fan who has also has Giants fans in their life. And I think we all have them. Uh, just, just bring up week 15 of last year, week 15, where the Giants are in a situation where they're playing the Washington commanders. They need to get in to the playoffs. They need a win, right? They're up by seven. Washington's driving. And there's a play where Taylor Heineke was the quarterback last year for Washington, throws a pass up to Curtis Samuel, and Curtis Samuel is just mugged by Darnay Holmes of the Giants. I mean, it was way worse than what Taron Johnson did to Darren Waller. Trust me. He was all over mm-hmm. the guy, draped all over him. No flag. No flag. And the game ended. And the, the commanders were pissed about it. Ron Rivera pissed in the postgame. Heineke was pissed. Uh, Washington fans, I'm sure, were incensed. It was big debates. So oh, how did they not throw the flag? And guess what Giants fans did? They said, oh, no, 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 you don't throw the flag in that situation. Come on, what are you talking about? No, oh, meanwhile, the Giants be. took that win, Nick, and it propelled them into the playoffs. And they went and won a playoff game after that in Minnesota. So if Giants fans are giving you any crap, I'm ta- and I'm talking to like you know members of the Bills Mafia here, if they're saying, oh, yeah, Josh Allen paid off the refs again, that bull crap, just bring up week 15 last year. Giants fans will have no comeback because they were the ones applauding the refs for not throwing the flag then. So if they're doing it now, they're just being hypocritical babies. So there it is, man. Yeah. There's the there's the ammo you need as a Bills fan if any Giants fans are giving you crap at all. And it's just the sports in general, too. You know, I mean, the perception that replay gives us, even if it's not a replayable call, quote unquote, it, it makes the illusion that you should be able to get every single thing cor- correct and there's no such thing as human error one way or the other. And that's just not true. That's part of sports. It happens. That's part of the game. That's how it happens. So, you know, Unfortunately, that's a negative side of replay. I've I've always thought, you know, my little replay. Oh, um, I'm I'm kind of anti replay. I think, you know, as Jerry Jones would say, it's like circumcising the mosquito. Now, um, it's even yeah. worse in basketball. Yeah. Like in basketball, where in real time you see a guy slap a ball out of another guy's hands and it goes out of bounds, and every single time that play goes back to the team that originally had the ball. The defender knocked the ball out of his hands and it went out of bounds, and we just move on with our lives. That's always been the situation in basketball, but we've gotten to the point now where we get in the monitor and we try to figure out whose fingernail it touched last as the ball's coming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that is not what replay was made for. It, replay was made for you look at it in real time. Don't even slow it down. Look at it in real time. How's it look? Is it egregious enough to make a call to change it? Yes or no. If you can't tell in real time, freaking move on to the next play. It, we should not be slowing it down into these tiny little segments and breaking it down and trying to figure out whose fingernail had touched la- all that crap. Oh, no, totally agree. Yeah. Uh, replay is hurting sports. Yeah. It is. 
Yeah, it just makes you think you can get every call right, and it's like it's not realistic. That's not realistic. That's just the game. It's, yeah, it happens. Not it happens to the best of us. But yep. anyways, anyways. <laughs> Any, anyways, before we get to the Patriots and your annual picking the Patriots to beat the Bills in Foxborough, we'll see if that's that happens for another year. I think you got like two or three years in a row, Nick. You've always yeah, made this pick. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the Brian Dayball experience going up going against him as the head coach of the Giants he is just stomping up and down that sideline barking at people yelling at Tyrod Taylor undressing his quarterback's coach at the end of the half uh a very icy little exchange with uh, McDermott after the game which I thought was kind of interesting and I know that that uh, video is doing well on Bill's Wire that you shared uh, so what do you think oh, about yeah. the whole Brian Dayball experience was it fun yeah I thought it was interesting um I you know there's always kind of maybe some murmurs about him and Dable maybe not being, you know, uh, yeah, the best of friends. This so is I guess Dur- you can McDermott say you're talking I about Dable. I guess you kind of almost I don't want to say expect that, but it's it's also kind of like, you know, these are NFL people. These are, you know, total type A or, or you know, whatever type A uh, alpha kind of people who are going to, you know, be a, be a little macho about things and always think they're right, I guess, on occasion. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, that the biggest takeaway for me was that handshake. Boy, I as I wrote on Bill's Wire, there's a reason why you can't find any photos of them together because they barely were. I don't think they even, uh, you didn't see anything pregame. I was like, oh, okay, that's peculiar. You don't see them together pregame. But then at the end of the game, I was like, oh, that's why you don't see it. And for people who didn't see, it was kind of one of those, like, you know, when you walk through the line as a kid, you know, tell everyone, good game. That that was more interaction than Table and McDermott had. Not even a fake bro other. hug. Yeah, not even a fake bro like, hug. Not nothing. even. Not even a little bit. And then you saw Mike McDaniel a few weeks ago, you know, hugging the crap on McDermott saying, you know, I, I respect the heck out of you or a different expletive that he used. Um uh, yeah, you didn't see that any of that between those two fellas. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, you you saw you saw it a little bit with uh, you know him and Josh Allen, but uh, you know they exchanged pleasantries throughout the week, and you kind of always knew that they were they always remained close, different kind of relationship that they had. But whew, that was interesting. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, and, I was uh, say. Dable, Dable was spotted though. You know, having his homecoming, he his his former like high school coach was there and uh, all that good stuff, which was, which was neat to see and probably cool for anyone who is related to, or went to St. Francis high school. Um, you know, I was, I was, you know, poor me. I had to go to private school or public school. Uh, couldn't, didn't go to St. Francis, but um, you know, it was very cool to see the locals uh, getting their shout out. St. Francis uh, high school even got their little clip. Like, apparently they won their game the week of day will coming back home, which is very cool to see. And uh, yeah. And then, and that high school is legitimately like, like right near the uh, Ruffle or Highmark stadium. Um, very close so yeah brian dable is essentially like almost and not even a buffalo native he's almost like an orchard park native so yeah he's it was very cool uh that those outside things but i'm sorry i'm a media member ryan and i am just gonna eat up that icy exchange that he had with McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> so good it was so good yeah no yeah he might be uh you know people in orchard park might be a fan of dable but mcdermott sure isn't uh, that's something oh, there no. there is something there it was basically like let me just forearm shiver you away so I can go kiss Josh Allen. That's pretty much what Dave all did. He's like, get out of my way, McDermott. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go give Josh a big old sloppy hug. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's totally what it was. It was, wow. He was happy to see Josh after the game. He was not happy to see McDermott. What is the story there? Oh, uh, we need to get our moles on that one. Uh, we got to find that one out. 
Uh, that's, that was, that was some good eating. So, but yeah, the Dave all experience, man, he's just like, you know, red face screaming at everybody, throwing tablets. He has been, he has been a, he's been a must watch some of these games. I don't know. I followed the giants a little bit, uh, cause I do a show with the, uh, the giants wire as well. A podcast like this. So I've been following mm-hmm. Dayball all year. He has been, uh, he has been a treat, man. He is a treat, but you know, that maybe the, the clock management, some of that stuff still learn a little bit, right? The giants did not look like the best coach team in the world in that game. That's one thing I would say giants. Little, I mean, uh, the bills a little bit more, uh, they're a little better coach than the giants were. I think we could say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for sure. <laughs> I, I do. I meant for, I didn't neglect to mention, I wanted to bring up that the slamming of the tap, but I'm always a fan of, I don't care who does it. Yeah. Slam that, slam the shit out of that thing. hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. All right. Will will Nick pick the Patriots again. I can't imagine he will with the state of the Patriots and where they're at. They can't even beat Josh McDaniels and Brian Hoyer at this point uh, after that loss to Vegas. But Nick will probably try to talk himself into picking the Patriots over the bills. We'll do that coming up next. But first, week seven fantasy advice from thehuddle.com. I'm Corey Bonini of thehuddle.com, here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number seven. Quarterback Jordan Love, Green Bay Packers at Denver Broncos. Love returns from his bye week with an offense that should be as healthy as it has been all season, and he heads to the Mile High City to face a Denver unit that has given up 12 passing touchdowns in five contests, which is tied for the most in football. Only three of 168 attempts have been intercepted, and just the Washington Commanders have given up more fantasy points, mostly due to allowing big numbers to running quarterbacks. Love is a rock-solid quarterback one play. Running back Kareem Hunt, Cleveland Browns at Indianapolis Colts. As of Wednesday, Hunt was dealing with a thigh injury, so keep track of that one. But his workload ramped up last week, and he saw 12 carries and 3 receptions, resulting in 71 total yards and a score. He still fell behind Jerome Ford in utilizations, but that kind of touch tally cannot be ignored, especially in a week when you have 6 teams on bye. Indianapolis has allowed the 10th most PPR points in the last 5 weeks, and just 4 teams have been worse at keeping running backs out of the end zone on the ground. Desperate owners can roll with Hunt as an RB2 or a flex play. Wide receiver Joshua Palmer, Los Angeles Chargers at Kansas City Chiefs. Palmer has at least 10 PPR points in three straight contests, and he draws single coverage as defenses look to contain Keenan Allen. While Austin Eckler's return last week lowers Palmer's ceilings a little bit, there's still enough to go around in this high-volume passing offense. He has scored three times in the last two games versus Kansas City, and the Chiefs have given up four wide receiver touchdowns in the last five weeks. Plus, this one could turn into a shootout. Palmer is a quality wide receiver three during Bimageddon. Tight end Luke Musgrave, Green Bay Packers at Denver Broncos. We're double dipping on the Packers passing game with this one. There have been a few flashes from the rookie in 2023, and this could be the week in which it all comes together. Denver is the worst defense at limiting tight ends in the last five weeks. Six teams are on a bye to amplify the need to take a risk, and Musgrave has tallied six catches in two of the last three contests. The Broncos have permitted the most yards on the third most catches and touchdowns at the 11th highest rate since the end of week one. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out The Huddle, all right, we are back, and Nick, I'll open this segment up with a little trivia for you. You ready? It's trivia. Lovely. A little trivia. So it's Bills uh, Patriots in Foxborough, 1 p.m. kickoff. Uh, the Patriots are nine-point home underdogs. Do you know the last time they were a nine or worse point underdog at home was? What? Take a guess. Maybe was it the Bills again when someone was starting a quarterback? Yeah, someone someone was starting. Someone was starting for the Patriots. His name was Tom Brady. He was really? a, he was a twenty four year old uh, quarterback, second year player, making his first start. It was against Peyton Manning and the Colts in t- two thousand and one. That's the last time they were underdogs by nine or more at home. 
Really? Patriots, I thought yeah. it would. I thought it would have been. I'm trying to think of like an old school. Okay, all right, that's fair enough, though. Well, that's okay. the last time. That's the last time. I'm sure there was before that. I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah, of I was trying to think 90s. of like an obscure one yeah, that maybe yeah. had like like you know how uh, didn't like I mean I didn't think of him, but I you know they've shared a couple quarterbacks like you know Doug Flutie. I'm like didn't he have the drop kick for the Patriots? Yes, that was with the God. Patriots. Don't right? get, don't yeah, get so me like, started. Got to be something. It's got to be something screwy like that. <laughs> don't get me started on the drop kick. I could. I, could I, I am a Patriots fan. I could give you all kinds. I could rant on that for hours. It's uh, just Bill Belichick massaging himself. Um, and yeah. We don't want to get too graphic here. Uh, but yeah, the Pats are huge home underdogs, and it just kind of shows where they're at. Uh, I mean, we could try to talk this up as a rivalry between the Patriots and the Bills, but the fact is is it hasn't been in a while. Josh Allen and McDermott have owned Bill Belichick post-Brady. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any arguing that. The, Pat, the Bills swept the games last season. They've won four of the last... Uh, they've won four in a row, six of the last seven, and the Patriots are in quite a state right now, Nick. So they're, they're doing so bad that they got into a situation where... They had a home game against the New Orleans Saints and then a road game against Vegas. And Vegas coming on a short week because Vegas had just played it on Monday night. So if they win that home game against the Saints and then go and beat Vegas, very mediocre team, you're 3-3 three and three going into this game against the Bills. And now you probably have a season, right? You have something to talk about. You have a little bit of positive momentum. You're coming off two wins. Instead, they get blown out 34 to nothing at home to the Saints. And then they lose to the Vegas Raiders this past weekend after Jimmy Garoppolo tapped out with a back injury at halftime and Brian freaking mm-hmm. Hoyer came in and the Patriots still lost this game. And Brian Hoyer. Vegas had it in control the whole way. They led the whole time. So it's just actually, really uh, surmising, giving you guys a little background in the content world. I had to go and update one of our stories that we had on another one of our websites, not Bill's Wire, but uh, I think it's on like For the Win or something. Uh, the 5 billion websites we have. I wrote a story last year. Speaking of that guy, Tom Brady, when he finally retired, you know, I wrote a story who are the oldest quarterbacks in the NFL now. And I had to go update it because I, we think that because Brian freaking Hoyer came into the game, people were searching for it. And the guy started to get more clicks. <laughs> so I had to go in and update everyone's age in there. I mean, how old like, is he now? 45? Huh? Uh, like Hoyer? He's like, yeah, he's, he's, I think he's maybe like 38 or 39. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll get that to you in about two seconds. But um, yeah, it's, uh, Got some uh, traction there for it. So shout out pa- or Patriots um, <laughs> yeah, let, or uh, from Brian Hoyer or Patriots uh, Raiders. Yeah. Uh, for putting in Hoyer. Yeah. Got you, some. Uh, there we go. You nice. can look that up. I don't even know if he has a Wikipedia page. He's not famous enough. Brian. No, that he is. Yeah, he's 38, 38. He's number three oldest in the in the technically active right now. Um, we have active quarterbacks because number one, do you know who number one is? Oldest. Oldest, act, do, but he, oldest active quarterback right now. Um, it's is it Aaron Rodgers? It is. That's okay. number one. Number two, I would be blown away if you got because he's technically not on a team right now. I don't think. Okay, but um, he has not retired. Okay, uh, I don't think he's retired. I looked it up last week. Oh man, it says, help, help uh, me out. Help me he, out. He won a Super Bowl. He was the MVP, I believe. You used Flacco. to always ask if he's elite. Flacco. Yep. <laughs> Flacco's number two. <laughs> I'll never forget him. I'll never forget him winning that Super Bowl because I had to eat my take on him being him being terrible and him sucking. So when he won yeah. a Super Bowl, my take was officially wrong and I was so upset. Because didn't he dominate? Was he, he was like nine, Oh yeah. I think he was like nine touchdowns, no picks in that Super Bowl run in the playoffs. It was something ridiculous. So yeah, that I'll never forget that that run by Flacco. That was horrible. Horrible for me. Yeah, and then he just like he lived off of that for a couple of years. But oh, yeah. yeah, and he was the MVP. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well <laughs> man, good times. Good so times. Simpler times. 
so there that is. It's just a long way of saying that the Patriots are in the running for the worst team in football. Um, they have not had success against the Bills. Uh, and even this new approach the Bills want to do, this everything in moderation, this don't don't make mistakes on offense thing, which you know has taken a little bit of a step back the last couple of weeks, I think you could say. That's the plan that works against the Patriots, right? Bill Belichick wants to make you go on longer drives. He wants to force you to keep trying to throw that football into tight windows and eventually we'll take one away from you. But the Bills have excelled against that style and the Patriots have you know, kind of given the Bills the shorter stuff. The Bills have attacked them in the shorter areas in these games. And I think Josh Allen and McDermott have figured something out against Belichick, right, Nick? I just, you saw it. I mean, remember Isaiah McKenzie would be a big part of these game plans. Just these players where... You get them up against the Patriots' back-end corners, and you have them work in the short to intermediate areas, and it's open. And the Bills have torched the Patriots in the last few meetings doing this. So please tell me, given the state of the Patriots, one and five, circling the drain, headed for Caleb Williams' talk. You know, this is where the Patriots are heading. Maybe the end of the Bill Belichick era, we'll see. Don't tell me, Nick, you're going to talk yourself into picking the Patriots to beat the Bills at Foxborough again. Please don't tell me. No, I'm not gonna. I can't do it this time. Okay, this is it's, this is a big bills. moment. It's this a big moment. Big moment for the podcast. It is. It is. Even I am not silly enough this week to uh, to go with anyone but the Bills in this one. I mean, uh, the Bills kind of usually pull out their certain W's, and I don't want to say their best play, but some of their best play when they're kind of being doubted, and they're being doubted a little bit this week. And I think uh, I just think that even though they're not doing well, there there is still that mystique about. Uh, Billy B over there and the Patriots and how well they've done. And a lot of these players, you know, they're in that age range where it's like, you know, they grew up watching the Patriots just torch everybody for years, like their entire childhood. Like imagine being like Terrell Bernard, uh, second year now starting middle linebacker. You're like, damn, I'm going against Bill Belichick right now. That's crazy. I used to see him win literally every year that I was a child. So they still got that mystique about him where I think people, I don't want to feel like target on your back type thing because there's very much of the what have you done lately thing. But I just don't think anyone, I, I did write it as a question, as a storyline of the week. Like the Bills can't afford to overlook the Patriots in this one. If they're going to be serious in the AFC East uh, with the Miami Dolphins, you know, they're already behind on conference wins. They need to have this one. But I think, I think just the, what the Patriots are, and I think even the players still feel it from fans that way they're like, you know, no, we'll never get over all the times we lost to them. Yeah. Even if Tom Brady is long gone and retired, uh, they, uh, they they won't let these players forget. It's always a big week and the Bills face the uh, face the Patriots. And uh, yeah, I, even I'm not going to not going to be uh, worried about it. Uh, please, please do not go back and look at my 17 storylines for every single game of the year or my game by game predictions of every year cuz I did of going did. up until going up until this summer pick this one as the Bills surprise loss of the year but I do not believe that anymore. I think we maybe have already seen the surprise loss or two uh you know with Jacksonville and and whatnot but um the Jets on opening day so uh I'm not I'm not going to pick this one as the Bills loss no way. <laughs> Well, you, you were just one off, Nick. It would look smarter if you picked the Giants. Said, hey, they're coming back from London, got Dayball, all this. Like, that's the surprise loss. That would have been a good pick. It yeah, I happened. went with, I think I might have picked that they um, they won or they lost maybe to the Jaguars or something, but then they came back from London pissed and beat the Giants. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I do those little fun little storylines in my head when I'm thinking, <laughs> why, you know, you're reading this piece of paper that says, here's what week the Bills play. Um, and interesting enough, going into this game, 
if the Bills, if things hold right now with how the how the uh, uh, NFL schedule makers have gone about uh, the business for the Bills uh, so far this year, this game and the old, uh, I think it's week 17. Yes, week 17. Uh, we'll see what happens week 18, the finale. It's always, you know, to be determined, to be decided where it's going to be. But this one, week 7, 1 p.m., then the Bills play one, two, three, four, five, bye week, six, seven, eight games in a row, eight, nine games in a row until they play on one o'clock games again. They don't play at one o'clock until they play the Patriots again in week 17. That's brutal. That's December 31st. Yeah, brutal. there are going to be some 425 sprinkled in there, but uh, yeah, three 8 p.m.s and a couple 425 sprinkled in there. And uh, yeah, so it's so long, so long early deadline for me. Uh, I hope everyone else enjoys that at least, you know, while I'm suffering. Oh, that's that's brutal. <laughs> I, I feel bad for you, man. That sucks. Yeah, uh, yeah. See, you know those New Englanders now. They're getting used to it. They're getting comfy now. You know, they're going, oh, this one PM thing ain't too bad. Yeah. I can go on with yeah. my day by the four pa- o'clock. The Patriots are trending towards family. never getting another primetime game again. <laughs> at this point, they're going to be like what the Lions used to be. That's, that's where they're trending. But I, th- I do think yeah. you, you know, you you mentioned the word mystique. It's probably for me yelling at you for the last two years that the 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 mystique is dead. The mystique is dead. The Foxborough mystique is dead. Uh, it did. It died. With, it, could, it could be where I got that word. From yeah, that. probably because I've yelled at you for years about this. Um, you know, the mystique died with Brady. The mystique is gone. Like this whole thing about you, you know, you got a fear facing Bill Belichick at, at home. Oh, don't give him points at home. Like, oh boy, Patriots are underdogs at home. That's when they come get you. Oh, coming off a tough loss. That's when you got to fear Belichick. It's like all that stuff is dead. It's all. It's all been. It's all a myth. It's all been proven wrong. It's all been proven. Not the case since Brady retired. And again, I mean, the Patriots just got roasted by the Saints 34 to nothing at home a couple weeks ago. Uh, and that, that was a kind of a must win game if they wanted to have a season. They didn't they didn't get that one. And the mystique is toast. And Josh Allen, I think, is the one of the man. He's one of the men most responsible for that mystique being toasted. You know what I mean? He's had a big role in it. And I just think even when you're trying to talk yourself into this one, can the Patriots hang in there? I mean, nobody was giving the Giants any chance last week either so could the Patriots hang in there it's like I don't know I don't even think like with Belichick he doesn't have Matt Judon he's out for the year Christian Gonzalez their first round draft pick this year for the Patriots excellent corner he was having a huge year he's out he separated his shoulder he's been out I think he's out for the year as well I don't even think Bel- Belichick has the horses Nick to scheme up something to stop the Bills uh, even with the kind of the scuffles that the Bills offense has had and then on the other side, the Bills defense, I know they've got injuries. Matt Milano, Trey White, these are, you know, Daquan Jones. These are big injuries. The Patriots have no horses on offense. They are averaging mm-hmm. 12 points a game. They're so bad on offense. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones don't have it. And the Patriots don't know what to do. They they need to bench Mac Jones. They just don't have a backup quarterback. They're trying desperately right now to try to get Malik Cunningham, the undrafted rookie out of Louisville, who broke all of Lamar Jackson's records over there. They're trying to get this kid up to speed, but they've been working him at receiver all year, not quarterback. And now they're trying to turn him back into a quarterback and they're trying to, he was actually the backup quarterback last week against the Raiders, the league cutting him. And they had a little package of plays for him where he came in in a few spots, but he was basically a decoy. Do they do they prop up the Malik Cunningham thing a little bit more in this game? Maybe, but that shouldn't scare you as a Bills fan. I just, I don't think, I think Max cooked. He needs to get sat, but they don't have anyone behind him that they can bring in right now. So, Mac Jones is out there suffering behind a horrible offensive line with no weapons. I mean, Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster are just both cooked at this point. They got nothing. So it's just 
going to be a long night well, for the Patriots. Don't tell Von Miller that because apparently in his press conference ongoing right now, he compared Matt Jones and Mike Gusecki to Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Oh, so that's don't. blasphemy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, the amount of times he, I, I swear he's like, he asks me to make slide comments about him being the most optimistic guy in the world when falsely optimistic guy in the world. I make, mean, a, make a post about that. If you can be that happy all the time, I wish I could be, but uh, oh, Nick, you got to make a post yikes. about that and make sure you share it with the Patriots wire f- folks. And <laughs> you guys will make a killing on that. Uh, Patriots fans yeah. laughing at Vaughn Miller. I can't wait to uh, listen to that when we get off uh, golf, get off our uh, recording here. That'll be uh, I'll yeah. send it over to you. That's got to be a good one. Please do. I would like to hear that. <laughs> that should that should perk me up a little bit. And what is a, a rough time to be a fan of a team? And the Patriots are rough right now. Um, there you go. Um, yes, you got Von Miller on your side. I do. Yeah. Thank you, Von. You know, Mister <laughs> Mister Positivity, Von Miller. Uh, the spread yeah. nine nine and a half. You back in the Bills? Uh, you know, after not covering last week, I'm going to say yeah. Uh, and um, just you know. You mentioned really the convincing argument for me is that the Patriots just can't score points. So that's really not conducive to covering a spread. I don't even see like a backdoor cover here. The Patriots kind of don't have anything that's scary because you've already seen kind of like what the backups can do and it's not really much. So I think I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No juice for the Patriots. And now you have to wonder like, are guys starting to quit? Like Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, Kendrick Bourne's by far their best receiver. But you also have guys like key guys in their defense, Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche. Josh Uche is an outside linebacker who you would think would get fired up a little bit and get some run with Matt Judon out. But these are all guys that don't have a contract right now. And they're not really getting it. Like, you got to start thinking about players quitting um, on the Patriots, too, and and making business decisions. Because the Patriots, they're they're already looking towards 2024. They're going to be picking in the top five for the first time in Belichick's tenure. They have the most cap space in the league. For 2024 they have all these key players that are hanging in the wind here with no contract like it's 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 getting torn down nick i think i think we're we're looking towards a reset is belichick back next year tough decision for the crafts to make uh that's t- i mean they got big decisions to make in 2024 do you want bill belichick at 72 making those calls and picking freaking defensive players in the draft like i don't know i don't know it worked out pretty well for pete carroll i think he's older isn't he i think yeah. he's the only guy older yeah pizzy Pete's doing. A, he's moving around a little better than Belichick these days. Ex ex Patriots, great Pete Curl, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, he did coach for a time here. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, the mental fortitude might be a little bit higher there on Pete Carroll's side. Bill's slipping a little bit. So uh, yeah, he does run around. It's got to be that gum chewing that Pete does. You know? <laughs> yeah, man, he he does work that gum. <laughs> he's got to. I th- <laughs> it's yeah, got to be that. I think the Patriots are closer to uh, shutting it down than they are to shocking the Bills. And, and doing what the kind of trying to pull off what the Giants almost did on Sunday night. Could be wrong, but I, I don't I don't see a path to the Patriots even being competitive in this game. I just don't think they have any juice. Definitely not an offense. Their, in, their injuries on defense are going to be too much to overcome against this Bills team. Actually, I don't think I've had any pick on the Bills right all year. Like I've been way off. But uh, I'm feeling. I don't know. Go to our best bets, everyone. If yeah. you're if you're looking if you're if you've stayed with us to this point in this recording. Um, that I means, feel like it's already longer than we already go. Sorry, yeah, Ryan. I keep that, rambling. That means you um, love us. I'm five for one on those best bets every week. I don't know. I can't win a parlay for my life, but I will win a parlay for your life. Um, James Cook over last week hit, and you know we roll on. We roll on five and one. I don't know what my best bet's going to be yet. That'll be for on touchdown wire or the NFL wire. Go and just add that to your parlay. It is it is looking good this year. I'm do, I'm doing good there. Um, 
you know, but if I put my own money on it, I would have been zero for six. So yeah, and, and yeah. just don't, and don't say the pick on the podcast because if you do, it's cursed and it's not going to happen. I, I've learned that. Yeah, you can't yeah. put it into the microphone. Well, else. now I can't. Now I can't put Bill's uh, minus nine and a half. Already, <laughs> that's gone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think even there's no jinxing the this one. I think the Patriots just don't, they don't have the juice. So that's what we're thinking for this one. What do you think? Let Nick know on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call that. Um, but, yes. uh, yeah, but Bill's wire got you covered from now till kickoff and beyond for Nick Wotan. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks as always for joining the podcast. Like I said, if you haven't subscribed yet, that's how you could support us. Subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend. We appreciate you and we will catch you next week after Pat's bills. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.